In this episode, I am once again joined by Tara Springett, a Buddhist psychotherapist who specializes in treating Kundalini syndrome. Tara takes a deep dive into the supernatural and reveals why it is so common for those undergoing a Kundalini awakening to have paranormal experiences. Tara lists the paranormal abilities and city powers that are available, explains in detail about how to develop them, and sheds light on topics such as remote influence, exorcisms, and astral sex. Tara also offers criteria for differentiating between Kundalini awakening and psychosis, reveals her own experiences of ghosts and exorcisms, and explains how to defend against hostile magical attacks. So without further ado, Tara Springett. Tara Springett, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Steve. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm so delighted to be talking with you again. And this is our third time recording an episode together. Yes. So thank you. And it's very kind of you to invite me again. Well, the pleasure is mine, I can assure you. And we left the last episode on something of a cliffhanger. You began to talk about the paranormal experiences that can and in your words, inevitably do accompany um, Kundalini awakening. You write, everyone who has a Kundalini awakening will have paranormal experiences sooner or later. The better we are prepared for these experiences, the less frightening and confusing they will be. So I'm wondering, um, you've listed many of these sorts of experiences and you give advice and strategies in your books for dealing with them. Can you say something about this? Why are paranormal experiences inevitably in your view? with Kundalini awakening and what sort of experiences are people likely to to have? Okay, I like to look at Kundalini awakening as a consciousness expansion. So I don't even like the word Kundalini so much because it conjures up ideas about a snake that kind of climbs up in our body. That could be very frightening. So basically what's happening is that we have a consciousness expansion and the consciousness expansion happens in four areas of our life. The first one is that our um, unconscious mind, the material that is stored in our unconscious mind rises up to the conscious mind. And for a lot of people that can be quite difficult, all the emotions, all the memories of traumas, but also the antisocial impulses that they thought they never had. The second area is um, that you also can look into the unconscious mind of other people more, more easily you see behind the mask. The third area is that you can experience a true deep spiritual experiences, the kind of um, experiences that you might have read in, in the books of the masters. And then you think, oh, I know what that's like. Yes, yes, I know. And, and you know that with the, cert with the certainty just like, you know, when you're in love, uh, you know, if somebody comes along and say, no, no, you're not in love, then you think, well, no matter what you think, I know I am totally smitten and in love with that person. It's the same thing when you have these experiences. They're hard to fail, uh, to miss. Now, the, 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 uh, the fourth area of consciousness expansion uh, that we talk about today is the world of the paranormal. And the world of the paranormal are all these things like clairvoyance, telepathy, speaking to the dead, seeing visions of the divine, um, putting your hands on somebody and 
wow, they are healed. How did that happen? Is this a coincidence or not? And some people take uh, this world of the paranormal in their stride. That's for them almost fun. That's easy. They can easily integrate that into, into their personality. But some people have a hard time because maybe they're very attached to their rational mind. And when that happens, then they are afraid they're going mad. And also when you have frightening paranormal experiences, for example, seeing a ghost or hearing a voice, then you think, oh my God, do I have schizophrenia now? The answer is no. And then maybe later on, you will ask me what's the difference between psychosis and paranormal experience, then I will explain. Uh, and so, you know, for those people who have trouble to integrate the paranormal experiences, uh, you know, I, I'm like a tour guide. I help them around a little bit in this new world that's opening up. So it, it will open up for everybody, you know, just like the other four uh, areas open up, you know. So this consciousness expansion is just in these four areas, to my knowledge. Maybe also other, other areas, uh, maybe uh, more diverse areas like creativity. Let's just say somebody is an engineer and then they invent a machine or a robot or or somebody is a healer and they come up come up with a new, new healing modality so um, that's also dimensions that can uh, open up which are much more individual but the other th things the other four dimensions are those who open up for everybody now i have developed this kundalini test which i had described in a previous episode of these um, videos so i'm not repeating that uh, but so there are five criterias and the fifth is the paranormal experience and now with my clients that uh, the paranormal experiences are not always there so you can have a kundalini uh, awakening without paranormal experiences being there being present and um so what I call it then, I'd say this is a mild Kundalini awakening. And then my clients go, wow, if this is mild, I don't want to know what the full thing is. <laughs> and then I say, well, this is really good that it's mild because it's better if this is going slowly so that we have time to integrate all those areas of consciousness expansion if this all happened all together in one day or in one month that would be quite a lot to stomach and uh, you know at some point um you know it might just start with intuitions you know that you, that you think i just know i know and then you, then you realize okay yeah that came true so it, i don't know how i knew but i know and so intuitions are quite a normal experience that a lot of people have even without kundalini awakening but those people who didn't have a kundalini uh, intuitions before and then they suddenly have them so that is a symptom and then these intuitions can become um, more pronounced and maybe become clairvoyant and then it also very much depends in which kind of environment people are. Let's just say somebody is born into a family of three generation clairvoyant card readers, let's just say, yeah? And then there's then you are born into that 
and you think there's nothing wrong to read the destiny of people in cards. So you do it and you're really good and you're confident and you do not doubt what you're doing. And so then you can integrate that very easily. Or um, let's just say in my own um, experience of um, being a Buddhist practitioner, so my teachers, they would do the pova, that means the conscious dying process, where they where you help other people to die and going into other dimensions. So I've, I've seen um, teachers doing that. I've participated in two courses. I'm qualified to do this, you know, at least theoretically. And so when the time came and there was a situation like a death in my own family, where I could apply these teachings, I was fairly confident to do it. I had very strong experiences with that. And I felt like that's fine. So this is working. And I didn't doubt it, even though obviously you can't ultimately prove any of this. But uh, it was a very good experience. And uh, so, um, so it very much depends uh, where you are, you know, your environment, how you are encouraged to that. So if you are in a very atheistic, materialistic environment, maybe you are a scientist and you think, oh my God, if I tell anybody any of this, they all think I've got to screw loose. Now then obviously this is a little bit harder to, um, to integrate. And it also depends on what the type of paranormal experience is. You know, if it's more on the scary side with the little trolls, <laughs> horror demons appearing in the dark, well, nobody would like that. And um, so there are also ways to shut these type of things down. You, you're not at the mercy of this all. But maybe I'll stop here and let you ask another question. <laughs> Well, I think you raised an interesting point there, which we can pick up. You suggested I ask you the difference between psychosis and paranormal experiences. Maybe we could talk a bit about that. Perhaps start starting with defining psychosis and then contrast. Yeah. So most people think psychosis or schizophrenia is when you have like weird thoughts in your head and, and you hear voices and you have visions that don't belong into the normal uh, existence, and that's uh, psychosis, but that is not true at all. Mental disease is defined by, do you function in the ordinary world or not? As long as you function, as long as you do your job, you look after your children, you don't undress in public or do any kind of weird thing, nobody would ever say that you have psychosis. Uh, and, and that is independently of how many weird experiences you might have in your head. If you, if you uh, manage to function in the normal world, no psychiatrist would give you, or at least should, that's how it is in the DSM, uh, in the manual for psychiatrists, uh, you know, that's how it is defined. If you function in the ordinary world, you are okay. And uh, so let's just say, you you go into the church and there are a hundred people in there and then three people come out and say when we had this mass i i saw jesus and i talked to him you're not saying these people are psychotic you just say well either you say they had a spiritual experience or you say they have a you know a lot of fantasy and you know they just imagine things and so um, 
psychosis is present and first of all you need to have it for three weeks to be properly diagnosed because you can be mad for two and a half weeks you're not still not getting this this um diagnosis unless you endanger yourself and others you know if you do um yoga on your balcony banister or something then and people come and say look you can fall off and then you might get a diagnosis sooner but as long as you're just a bit weird you know nobody is bothered but uh, so you need to be kind of uh, um, removed from reality for three weeks you must show clear signs that you can't function anymore that you can't hold down your job that you might do things that endanger yourself or others and only then is a diagnosis warranted and uh, and what is different to paranormal experiences first of all you always function in the normal world you know you you might say oh last night i had some strange experiences but you still do your daily work as usual no problem at all you might say i'm really scared about that you know i don't feel good but you know again this is just you um having a problem to integrate a paranormal experience it's not not, not psychosis and you're also um, aware that um, other people, normal people, maybe materialistic or atheistic people might think you are psychotic because they don't know any better. And so you know that it's probably not that wise to tell them. And um, you probably also know that it's not that wise to tell any doctor not to get a, psych a, a diagnosis. So you, you know how to integrate that experience into everyday life. So the part of yourself that knows this isn't normal in the normal way of seeing things is well-functioning. And that is your sane part. And no matter how many strange and wonderful experiences you have, it doesn't really matter as long as that sane part, a part of you is alive, you are fine. Now, I distinguish between welcome and unwelcome paranormal experiences. You know, some of them we welcome, like, you know, oh, here's somebody ill, and then I put my hands on them, and as if through a miracle, they were fine. Now, I guess most people would like to have that ability. And, uh, or, you know, we meditate and we get a beautiful vision, which we identify as a vision, so we don't really think Jesus came into our bedroom. We, we know we just had a vision of him. I guess a lot of people would like that too, to see an angel or divine being, as long as they're not too real. <laughs> then you might get a bit scared. And, uh, and then there are unwelcome paranormal experiences. And those are um, like, you know, whatever is unwelcome to you, you know, I personally, I don't want to have anything with ghosts, anything to do with ghosts. That's not my thing. I don't want to have premonitions. I'm a mom. I'm a, I'm a wife. And if I just worry like a normal mom, why is my son not home? I don't want to think, oh, I'm having a premonition. That means he's dead. He had a, an accident. You know, I just want to think I'm just a normal mom worrying here and he's probably all right. So if something bad happens, I will find out sooner. Or, uh, uh, or later, I don't need to be told that, you know. So, um, so basically, when we are 
psychotic in a clinical sense, we lose our sense of reality. We do not know that we are in some sort of nightmare. We're just acting it out uh, like as if we are in a dream and we, we, we behave in ways which are non-functional, dysfunctional, or endangering to us and to others. We might just, you know, like neglect our children, not do our duties. So we lose a sense of um, consciousness. So our consciousness shrinks. It shrinks and gets replaced by some sort of nightmare. In a paranormal experience, our consciousness expands. So we keep our normal functioning everyday consciousness and we get an added dimension to it that we say, hmm, I had this weird experience today and I thought of this person and then lo and behold, they, they came to my door or something like that. You know, that, that's just a mini small one that a lot of people have anyway. So that that's uh, that's a, a difference. There's a number of other uh, differential diagnoses. Uh, for example, people with paranormal experiences, they often know exactly when that started, what, what triggered it. They're often eager to talk about it. Um, while somebody who is schizophrenic doesn't know when that started. They're often very reluctant to talk about the content content of their psychotic feelings. Uh, schizophrenic people also have other other signs. So, for example, when they are not actively uh, schizophrenic, they're often emotionally very flat. And uh, people with Kundalini experiences, they are emotionally very intense. And um, schizophrenic people often don't want to um, have an active spiritual life, you know, and Kundalini people, uh, this is the most important thing for them. They want spirituality, they want to make their life, their mind, their nutrition, their entire surrounding healthier and better in every way. So there's quite quite a long list of those types of different differentiations as well. Thank you, very interesting. I'm looking at a list here from one of your books of paranormal experiences, and you wrote here, a selection of paranormal experiences that I've encountered in my clients and myself. Visions of divine or angelic beings, special powers like spiritual healing, seeing faces or UFOs in the dark, increased experience of meaningful or sinister coincidences, being abducted by aliens, having real sex with a person who's not there, telepathic and clairvoyant experiences with other people or animals, feeling another being entering into one's body, poltergeist experiences such as unexplained knocking noises in the house or things constantly falling from shelves, feeling of leaving one's body, a feeling of being taken over by unseen forces, feelings of being psychically dominated by other people or invisible beings, feeling of being able to dominate others with the power of thought, past life memories, premonitions in dreams and in waking life. So yes, it sounds really a little bit frightening, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, being dominated by others and that's quite a, an array of things. You've talked about psychosis and paranormal experiences. Let's take an example like being abducted by aliens or or as you point out, dominating others or being dominated by others with, with the, the power of your will, etc. thoughts. To what degree would you say that is an experience that someone has 
subjectively. And to what degree would you say that's objective? In other words, are they really being abducted by aliens or are they merely having an experience, a sort of visionary, private visionary experience? There are no aliens, but of course to them it's a, it's, it feels real, but it's not really happening. Um, but perhaps that's the wrong way to think of it. Perhaps I'm being too um, dualistic there. But, no, no, it's uh, a good question. Yeah. So maybe we, we don't use the example of alien abduction because that can be both. This can be a subjective experience, um, which is more like meeting astral beings. But let's not exclude the possibility that this is truly happening as a real experience. So we don't know that for sure, you know. So maybe we just leave that outside. But let's just take the example of entity attachment. A lot of people are afraid of that and um, some people believe that that's happening and i know that a lot and a lot of healers work with that they say you have entity attachment give me a hundred dollars and i will remove it for you oh no there's another one give me another hundred dollars so um so i i um i'm a little bit cynical there uh but uh you know you know, I've I've account, encountered a number of people who spent an awful lot of money, thousands, tens of thousands, to to have these entities removed. So this is um, something that a lot of people know about. So one thing that is very important when it comes to the paranormal world, the normal subject-object division doesn't apply anymore. So in the normal world, in the conventional world, I'm here and you are over there. And we are two separate beings. I'm not Steve and you're not Tara. That's at least roughly what we think, you know. Even in the conventional world, this isn't completely true because if we were in one a room, I would breathe in your breath and you would breathe in my breath. Already we are a little bit mixed up, but uh, let's put that on the side. So the rough view is you're over there, I'm here. So we're not mixed up. You exist from your own side. I exist from my own side. And I can do things to you that you don't want. You can do things to me that I don't want or, 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 um, or positive things. When it comes to the paranormal world, this division between what's other and what is me gets mixed up. So if I experience an entity around me, a presence, yeah, then um, this is at the same time part of me and at the same time other. Now, that's kind of really a bit strange to imagine, you know. But what that means is that the entity attachment uh, can only happen because I've given the invitation. So um, there might be, you know, in our normal way of speaking, you could say, there was another being and then I've invited that in and then it's kind of in me, in my aura and it becomes a part of me. But that's not really how that happens. It's more all at the same time. So it's always me and other at the same time. And so um, in the old fashioned way, we would say, or in the sh shamanistic way, we, we would say these are beings and and ghosts and uh, entities and they are outside of me and other than me but in the in the more advanced psychological way of uh, talking about it we speak from sub uh, about sub personalities and that's much more helpful and healthy to do that 
So we imagine that we are, as we're sitting here, we are not just one person. We are just more like an umbrella something <laughs> trying to tame and to guide this this whole flock of sub-personalities, that one this way and that way, and all our inner contradictions that we have. And there, there are our, um, our different sub-personalities. And then when I get really, really angry, I kind of lose it. And then I behave like a demon. And then I am calming down again. And then I'm terribly embarrassed about what I've just said. And then I apologize profusely now that's just like one of my subpersonality taking over and doing horrible things. I'm not speaking about me personally, of course. <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, you, you know, so we we need to understand. Uh, you know, when we talk about it, like subpersonality, it is less frightening. But if you talk about beings that truly exist from their outside, from from their own side, from the outside, and they can come and somehow do something horrible with me, obviously that's a very frightening thought. So I really discourage that. But it is more the old-fashioned shamanistic view uh, that where they say there are beings outside and then they do something to you and you're possessed by the devil in the old-fashioned. Uh, language we say somebody is possessed by the by the devil in the modern language we say you have a subpersonality which has antisocial uh, uh, signs and, uh, and it's important that you do some anger management training to get that under control and the second view usually works much better you know and um and if you, but if you believe in this outside uh, being, and then you go to a healer and you pay your hundred dollars, and then they, then they remove it, it it can happen. It can help, you know, and 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 it is helpful. You you know, I um I've seen this happening. I've actually done it myself. Exorcism, that is, you know, I help somebody to remove an entity like that. But um, the the trouble with that is um, it doesn't last because that part of you that in a way invites this being back that expects it or even is attached or uh, attracted to th that type of energy will soon or, or later you find another entity you invite them in so the whole cycle goes on and the person uh, who goes to the healer and has these exorcisms done or entity removements as they call it you know it doesn't last and um and then it goes on and and they um they don't learn anything you know it's much much better to have um to empower a client to say look this is a subpersonality of you we call it your shadow side because you were not aware of that before but now you are and um and then you feel very weird when you feel that energy and uh, what you then can do you focus on your higher consciousness, you say lots of prayers, you fill yourself up with a light. And then if this is a, like an evil entity, that will not stay because they don't like the light, they don't like the presence of Jesus or the Buddha or a higher being or Vaitara. And uh, in that way, you 
can master this and you don't need to go to somebody who takes a lot of money for a very short-lived solution. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Why did you say you don't want anything to do with ghosts? Oh, they're not. <laughs> Why, why would I, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're not very inspiring. They can be scary when you suddenly go up the dark stairs and there's a ghost, you get startled. <laughs> and um, I had this experience of a ghost once. I was much, much younger. So um, maybe that's like 30 years ago. I was on this workshop and, uh, and the workshop ended at two o'clock at night and and in the morning, uh, we had to get up at six o'clock. And um, so I was invited by one person to um, sleep in her house. So I didn't have any any options there. You know, I went with her at two o'clock at, at night. I, I knew I would only get these four hours sleep. So anyway, the, the, the house that she got us in was was a building site inside. It, it wasn't a real house. It was just a, a big dump with a lot of building side in it it was you know i don't know 300 years old and and then she said you can sleep in that and that's that was just a box room it was filled to the ceiling i think this woman must have been a hoarder or something this room was filled to the ceiling with rubbish and old furniture and then you said there's this sofa you can sleep there you know so i uh what what could i do i had only four hours sleep <laughs> couldn't go and find a hotel <laughs> so um i i i laid down and uh, as soon as i laid down um I, ha I had a bad feeling there anyway but when i i switched off the light i i felt this very strong pressure here on the top of my crown and in my inner eye i saw a vivid image of a very old woman naked crouching there trying to enter my body now that was scary <laughs> and so um I was much younger than you know I didn't, didn't really know exactly what I should do so I switched on the light and I thought what shall I do and then I thought oh I've got this crystal mala I put this here I've heard the crystals will water off bad spirits so I put the crystal here but the image didn't go away so eventually I thought oh I'm, I'm going to, to to pray to Tara which I did and then that all dissolved and uh, then in the morning when I woke up, my crystal mala, which very sturdy, big beads on it, there was one bead that had split into to half. <clears throat> and I don't think that would have easily ha happened just because I maybe lied on it a little bit with my head. So, um, so I thought I had that once. Thank you very much. Don't need another one of those. <laughs> so um, basically... We, I encourage my clients to make a list of the paranormal um, experiences that they want to have and those that they don't want to have. So on my positive lists are helping the dead to transition, spiritual healing. I want to be able to channel Vaitara, get her advice with all sorts of things. I want to be able to no creative solution to any kind of problems that comes in front of my eyes. Um, I want to see into the future. Um, uh, you know, for example, this, uh, this is a little bit a funny story. You know, I, I know 
psychically that in 300 years, um, eating meat will be outlawed. You know, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> As a vegan to look forward to. But it will only be in 300 years. Until then, we will be surrounded by all sorts of people eating meat. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I find that quite um, optimistic view of things. And, and other things like that, that this world will become a better place, but maybe not just yet, not just today, but in time, yes. And um, so there's a, a few things on the positive side. Other things that I don't want to have are ghosts, uh, obviously no demons. Um, I don't want the premonitions. I've already said that. So you can tell your mind, you know, you can say, look, this is what I want. This, this is what I don't want. And then um, whatever you want, you also have to practice. So for example, if you want to be a spiritual healer, you might have the talent. Everybody has the talent. We all have a talent to um, be spiritual healers. But if you really want to be good at that, we have to practice it. So every day for hours, we need to put our hands on people. And through that daily training, we will develop that um, seed that talent of a supernatural um, ability will we will uh, practice uh, and then develop that further and then eventually we, we will we will become really good at that and um and then we have a cd you know a supernatural power so the cds these really wonderful abilities they are all in us as a seed but in order to develop them, we need two things. One is Kundalini energy, and the other is uh, lots of practice. Unless, of course, you bring this talent and the city already as a ready-made ability from your past life. And that, uh, ex that explains why some people have this natural ability to, you know, see things or you know, let's say fortune tellers, let's say those who are really good at that. And um, also those who in specialism who can speak to the dead and, and give you messages and are really good at that. So a lot of people are talented because they have done that in their past life. And so they bring that as a, as a huge talent or gift into this life. But if you're completely new to that and you didn't notice any gift in you, you need to practice. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a bit about that practice process, actually, which is something else you write about, uh, acquiring various different city and how to do that. You, you go into quite some detail in your books about that. Uh, however, before we do that, we've talked about in unseen being something on this list is having real sex with a person who's not there or the feelings of being psychically dominated by other people um, or invisible beings, but I'm thinking now of people or being able to, to, to dominate others, other people, as opposed to unseen beings with the power of thought. So those three involve um, other people, uh, it seems. So what about that? What can you say? But I have a couple of questions about that. But what about that category of paranormal experience in particular, that which relates to other people and influence? influencing other people well the influencing power we do anyway whenever we have a conversation with somebody where we really feel it's important that they listen and that they please take on what i'm saying maybe to our children or to our partner or whoever you know we want to influence people and uh, and some people have this natural gift in in buddhism we call that fascinating power and um 
in in English we call that charisma. So then you know these people have this ability. They go on a stage. They can talk whatever rubbish they want. <laughs> we think of certain politicians here, uh, and and there's lots of people who believe every word that you that what they're saying. So that's fascinating power, influencing people. Even if you talk lots of lies, and even if your audience know you're talking lies, that believe you anyway. <laughs> and uh, and so this charisma, this fascinating power, can be trained. You know, you you can get better at that. And um, so another, um, if you. Another ability is magic, you know, what we call white magic or uh, black magic. And black magic is to influence another person with your spells, with the power of thoughts, um, putting something really evil and just wishing for that person to be, you know, really in a bad place. Uh, things like that do work, you know, uh, unfortunately. But uh, the good white magic also works, and we call that usually prayer or making good wishes. You know, like when we congratulate somebody and say, I wish you all the best for your birthday or for your new job. You know, that's a, a very mild form of putting some blessing power into somebody, however non-developed that is. We, we still do that. But some people can have developed that to a very high degree. So they, they put their hand on your head and then you feel, wow, that energy going through you. And then you feel um, very much positively influenced afterwards. And um, yes, so these all these things exist uh, in a kind of, you could say, almost normal sense and then in a developed more sense. And, uh, and this type of sex that people have with beings who are not there I like to call it astral sex and some people you know get really strongly into that they have whole love affairs in that way and uh, you know I've had clients to tell me this uh, very strongly and um, you know so overall it's not necessarily something that I would recommend to anybody because you know probably is a little bit better to have that in the real life, probably a bit more satisfying. And uh, yeah, but these types of things are real for people. And then then probably the, on, the following question is, well, what can I do if there's a really black magic attack on me? Well, we don't need to, to be afraid of that, you know. Um, if... Um, Let's just say I, I, I feel I've had one black, black magic attack on me. Um, it was just a sense. I cannot prove it. And um, but I found it relatively funny, uh, amusing, because I felt that attack. And to me, it was just like as if somebody throws a diamond at me, a big diamond. Boom. Oh, that hurt. Wait a minute. I've got a massive diamond here now. So. Thank you very much. <laughs> and how can I say that? Because if so, really somebody um, gives you a black magic attack, they have to concentrate very, very hard. They have to channel their energy like in a laser beam onto you and then put all this energy in there, even though it's evil. 
uh, it's a lot of energy and you know the energy is there to keep so um basically you might get this kind of sense that something happened that wasn't that was unpleasant or something but then you can quickly get yourself out of that by just doing your ordinary meditation you let these things go you purify your mind you put yourself uh you know um in, in the, under the protection of your higher consciousness it's not a big deal you know you, you very quickly purify that but the uh the sense of that you actually got a lot more energy now that that's that's true so so um there is the story of Guru Rinpoche, who is the founder of Tibetan Buddhism. And when he came to Tibet, then Tibet was full of demons. Obviously, these demons were not there by coincidence. It was because the Tibetans of those days, they invited those demons, as we already talked about, you know, to because they were very, very rough, you know, very aggressive, very violent. And um, and then uh, Guru Rinpoche said, when he turned these demons around and he made them into Dharma protectors, so protectors of Buddhism, then he said, all this work with the demons, this is just firewood in my fire that burns for enlightenment. And so he had a completely positive view. And so can we, you know, we don't, there's nothing to be afraid of. And if, if we one day lie in bed and we feel help, there is a, astral being that wants to have sex with me we just say no thank you not interested and we turn around the other side and say a few mantras and think of our higher consciousness and this whole thing will be gone as i said these things can only happen with our participation you know we invite that we we follow those storylines in our mind and and then these experiences can become very very real but never without us actively participating in that and so if you don't want to have them or we need to say no and then put our mind very strongly on an image of our higher consciousness saying a mantra a prayer repeating them until that experience has subsided may we may have to repeat that for a few times this whole thing will be over there's nothing to be afraid about because our body to an astral being, our body is like a fortress, not like a nuclear power station. They're just flimsies. They're like clouds. They're just energy bodies. You know, we have this massive big body. If they come and, you know, they cannot do anything to us. We are a hundred million times stronger than that. And um, so if, they, if there's any um, connection, it will always happen through our mind and uh, and so all we need to do is to control our mind keep it on loving wholesome positive uh, images and then all will be good as you're talking here of about um interpersonal influence and so on i'm reminded of the dion fortune book classic psychic self-defense yes um, i'm sure you're aware of that in which the first chapter she recounts an experience of psychic domination in one of those occult orders that, that uh, were so popular at that time. Perhaps we can move on now to Sidi. But before we do, which books of yours would you recommend most for people who are going through this particular, these sorts of experiences? Um, of course, they can contact you directly, but also you have many books and you go into these in quite some detail. Which one would you recommend for 
this sort of uh, territory? It's fun. Healing Kundalini symptoms. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> so let's talk now a bit about cultivating city um, deliberately. Uh, you've written quite a bit about that. So I'll, I'll uh, read some now. The key to developing these powers lies within the concentration on certain chakras, filling them with the power of Kundalini and passionately wishing for the city to occur for the best of all beings. This needs to be practiced with complete concentration over an extended period of time, and of course with the purest motivation to benefit everybody, as impure desires can otherwise lead to masses of bad karma for lifetimes to come. And then you list some of the city that can be cultivated, and it's, it's actually quite a long list, but I think I'm going to read it because it's interesting. So you have your clairvoyance, clairsentience, feeling other people's feelings, channeling the words of a higher being, which, as we discussed, discussed in previous episodes, you do, you do a lot of that with White Tara. Communicating with spirits, influencing other people with the power of thought, spiritual healing, accurately foretelling the future, power to seduce and fascinate others, charisma, by location, being in two places at the same time, telekinesis, moving objects with the power of the mind, ability to run very fast, levitation, influencing the weather, materialization of objects, and waking the dead. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's very interesting indeed. So could, would you mind talking a bit about how these are developed? Are these different uh, abilities connected to specific chakras or combinations of chakras? And how does one generate the Kundalini potency to do it? I know that's another important part is sort of power oneself up. You've written about that also. So could you say something a little bit about this city developing process? Yes, maybe I should say first that all the wise masters always warned us to not pay too much uh, attention to the cities because it can be a big distraction of the ultimate city that we want to reach, which is complete enlightenment, being, you know, ex experiencing our own divine nature, uh, which is more important than any other of these supernatural powers. Now, um, having said that, you know, some cities really can come in handy as long as we don't get seduced by it and try to use them to, to make a lot of money. So, for example, let's say healing ability, that's a good one to have. But then some people say, OK, now I charge you um, a lot of money and and that obviously will corrupt that gift or, um, you know, it's it's something that you should share, not that, that you cannot make any money, you know, but if you um, abuse it to your own selfish needs, then that's not the best way to deal with this. And if you uh, do anything bad, you know, with the, um, with the gift, then because it is a big power, it will also create a lot of bad karma. For example, let's say you have the fascinating power and you can seduce people sexually easily and that's what you do and uh and then you know as we know an awful an awful lot of of spiritual teachers have done that you think oh no not that one as well and that one as well and you know even that oh i really like that one oh no that one as well okay so um it's very sad really and um 
So it's not so easy to, given how many pe people succumb to that, we should take that danger seriously. You know, we, we need to, you know, be aware that this is some fire that we are playing with. And um, so having said all that, <laughs> uh, the city, the supernatural ability usually develops in the area of our most passionate interest. So um, I've told you before, for me, my most passionate interest was that I wanted to have answers to my special questions. And I made a booklet and I wrote the question down and I wrote the answer down and gradually that developed into that gift of being able to channel. Now, now let's say special healing. Uh, I never needed to do that. My, my family is very healthy. My son, my husband, I've had them a very good diet. And so they both never needed to go the, to the doctor in 25 years, which I think is pretty good. So I had, I didn't have lots of opportunity to, to practice this type of thing. And um, <clears throat> so the, the spiritual healing, on occasion, I have done it. I had had very good results, but because I didn't do it very much, I cannot say for absolute certain that this was a coincidence that would have gone better anyway, or if I really did well in that. So basically, you know, if you don't have the time or the inclination to practice in that area of your chosen path for, for hours every day or, you know, a lot, then you don't need don't even need to try you know it's just like if i want to play the guitar really well or you playing the guitar there so uh, you know if you only want to play 15 minutes in a week sure you, you know it will not be very good <laughs> you should, may still try you know there's no, nothing wrong with just playing 15 minutes but you will never be really good guitarist. So that, that's basically the same thing, you know. And if you always play the guitar, you will not be very good at playing the trumpet, you know, just because you need to practice that. And, and that is the same with all the cities, you know. You know, you, you know, you need to do it where you feel a lot of uh, practice. And then let's just say with the healer, you know, this is popular. Uh, and you are into hands-on healing, then there, there are chakras in the palm of your hands. And um, and you can read maybe in some healer's history when they write a book about how they developed that. And they say, I had this burning sens sensation in the palm of my hand. So clearly something was happening in these in, in these chakras of, of the hands. And then they put that onto people. Uh, so you know basically the chakra that is connected to you to your city you know you're using this automatically you don't even need to think oh i want to be a healer so i should do my palm chakras you will do this automatically and for me um you know i want to have the answer of all my questions so i i knew this you know i mean you know that was something to do with the head chakra no, or basically I, I didn't think head chakra but I knew it had something to do with where I experienced my thoughts which is basically up here and um, so what I want to say is even if you don't know anything about chakras you will automatically 
uh, choose the right uh, chakra and practice for that. But if you want to do this more uh, in a systematic way, then you can say, okay, I want to, um, you know, um, practice to be, you know, in Tibet, they had this, this one city, which I can't remember now the way they called it, but it was like they could run very fast. And that was something they needed because they didn't have cars and, and uh, in a horse cart, there were no pathways, so they needed to be able to jump from, from boulder to boulder because there's lots of stones everywhere. And so they um, then they developed this ability to make these jumps like three, four, five meters long. And of course, you need to run and you need to jump a lot in order to, to develop that CD. You know, you cannot just sit in your meditation hut and, um, you know, visualize that uh, and uh, you so you need to practice in this area um, but also you need you need to combine that with with the with the kundalini meditation uh, which is basically where you accumulate more and more uh, energy in your chakras uh, most of all in your in your lower chakras in your abdominal chakras which we also know from practices like qigong um you know what what they do and you know this is an ability to they use it for health you know so you you accumulate a lot of energy in your lower dungeon what they call that and uh and then you can use that that energy that chi you distribute it then through your body you use it for health so there are specific exercises that you can do and um it will be a different chakra for for different things and let's just say you want to be a wonderful speaker who, who can influence millions of people. You know, you write books, they're huge bestsellers. Nothing to do with me, obviously. <laughs> then you need to work on your throat chakra, you know, because that's the ability to um, influence people through sound or through your words, or whether they're talked or said or written down and then you fuel that chakra through the energy that you've accumulated in your lower belly you know and so you need to bring that down together now if you do this in a wrong way then you say oh i know what to do let's just do the breathing there and and then i get a lot of heat and now i just put this up into my throat chakra oh no now i've got this neck pain and i've got all these headaches and i've got tinnitus something's gone wrong you know you you you, <laughs> you, know, you need to know what you're doing and if you do this forcefully and prematurely without truly purifying this chakra meaning you are able to experience sublime bliss in it uh, then you will just um, increase the impurities that you have in that chakras maybe fears public of public speaking or anger that's hanging here in this area a lot of anger hangs here you know in that chakra so does that answer your question hmm. shall I be more specific <laughs> well yes I mean that is very interesting indeed uh, you're using the analogy of guitar playing and of course for guitar playing one needs access to some instruction. A book is okay, but not great. DVD or YouTube is is good. Um, an in-person instructor who's skilled, of course, is the, is probably the best. 
But also, as you pointed out, without practice, even exposure to good instruction won't be so fruitful. Um, but beyond that, there there's not a great deal of barrier to at least basic competency in guitar, if you can do those two things. I'm wondering, is it difficult to develop City? Of course, the barrier for most people will be either they don't, they will lack access to instruction, good methodology, and or simply won't practice enough. Um, so in that, in that sense, it's similar to the guitar. Are there other additional blocks or barriers um, that make City, say, different to learning a musical instrument, for example? H how difficult are these City to achieve? I mean, some of them seem very difficult, like levitation, for example, or waking yeah. the dead. That seems a little bit more difficult than, than uh, clairsentience. <laughs> I haven't tried those two, so I don't know. can't comment on that. And, uh, you know, the, I think a big obstacle is to find a teacher because you will not find a lot of teachers who do that for the reasons that I've already explained. Because if you are a very good teacher, you, you will say, look, uh, you know, I'm not teaching you to get a city. You need to learn to be developing your altruistic uh, motivation, your loving kindness. That's much more important. Try to be a good person. That's the biggest city you ever need. And, and and quite rightly so, because, you know, as I said, you know, the, it's very difficult to, um, if, if, even if you have lived, a, if you have left a little bit of egotism in you and you get the cities, you will use them with that little bit of egotism that you have. And that, because you now have the city, which creates a lot of, has a lot of power, is a power, you know then you will do a lot of bad karma with that. So, you know, I'm not very aware that you will find lots of true spiritual teachers that you would teach you this, you know, beyond a rough outline, you know, what I've just given. But, you know, you know, at the same time, if you are pure of heart and you ask your higher power and you want to have this city and you say, for, it's not just for me, it's really for others. And I want to benefit others in this way. And you do make lots of prayers and it's quite possible that you get that. And we have a lot of wonderful, amazing healers who can do amazing things, you know, um, to heal people, you know, I, I've recently read a book. It's called, it's called it's it was in German. It's about auric surgery, and uh, he uh, cut with little knives in the air, and afterwards the kidney stones were gone. It, and it was proven by ultrasound, or he took out the tonsils from somebody just by cutting in the air, and then this person went to to that doctor and they said, "Oh, you had your tonsils out." It's a beautiful operation. I don't even see a little scar there. Who did that for you? And he said, hmm, hmm, that was auric surgery, you know. You know, things like that happen with very good proof. And so, you know, these, these things exist. And, um, and, you know, there's also healing courses. You know, you, you can go on courses for special healing. But I, I'm not so much aware that there's, you can also go on courses for spiritualism, particularly here in the UK. This is very popular. And what's the first thing I did when I came to the UK 25 years ago? I joined a specialist group <laughs> and I learned all about uh, table rocking, speaking to the diseased and, and uh, a special healing, which was taught there. It was very good. 
and uh, I participated in that for seven years. And I think that was uh, very uh, empowering. It was good because it helped me to, to see, you know, wait a minute, I actually have all these abilities already. They were just lying. They're not being used. You just need to find yourself a context or, you know, where you can use that. And then you can learn these kind of things. Yes, that is very popular here in the UK, spiritualism, mediumship and so on. Yeah, it's very popular. You mentioned the danger of commercializing or making money from these sorts of city. And to quote you, you write here, when someone has developed a fantastic supernatural power like spiritual healing, clairvoyance or the ability to fascinate others with their spiritual presence, they can easily be tempted to try making money with their gift. However, there are certain dangers attached to this. So I'm wondering, is it wrong to make money from these skills per se, or is it that that can lead to certain uh, traps or temptations or misusings? For instance, a, a skilled guitar player might be paid to play guitar. It's not perhaps necessarily, you could say they're commercializing their guitar playing, but that's perhaps not itself evil. Um, uh, uh, anyway, what, what's the case with uh, City? Well, I, I don't want to come and say this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. Everybody needs to make those. It's a moral decision, isn't it? Make that for themselves. They need to weigh this up and, you know, investigate their conscience and then make their own decisions. Uh, what I recommend, which is the safest way, but as I said, it's not a rule. I'm not making these rules, is to, um, let's just say, you are a spiritual healer of some sort. Maybe you have some qualification as a ma massage therapist. It's not, it's not a big qualification. And then within that context, you use these abilities. And so you get paid for, for what you actually, you, you, for which you have the qualification. And then the CD is a free gift. So this is how I do it. You know, when people come to me for counseling because I'm a qualified co counselor, they get the ordinary counsel, counseling, that's what they pay for. And then at my own volition, I can sometimes add um, readings, you know, aura readings, or I can also see people's previous lives and they get that for free. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit like a suite that I give them for free. And um, I can also, you know, I can also see when people say my husband is like this and that. I can see this person in front of me. I can, I can say, yeah, I can see that and that. And uh, I've tried, you know, this out a lot, and I got a lot of feedback confirming that I can see this correctly. And um, so that's all for free, you know. And so I'm never tempted to um, give like an aura reading when one day maybe. I'm not in, in, in my mind is not free to do that. Maybe I'm preoccupied, preoccupied with something and, or, or I'm just not in a good frame of mind. And then somebody comes and paid a hundred British pounds and, and says, now give me my reading. And I just talk gobbledygook, you know, <laughs> it's easily done. <laughs> And, and so that would be a form of betrayal, you know, and that will have consequences. One shouldn't, you know, I mean, one shouldn't, you can do what you want. But if you want to have a, a good karma uh, balance, then it would be wise not to do that. Yeah, very fascinating. Perhaps I'll ask you one 
one last question on this on this subject. You mentioned there bad karma and bad consequences. What's your perspective on how one deals with one's bad karma? Let's say somebody has accumulated, you know, bad bad karma. They've done bad things in the past, maybe with with city or supernatural abilities or just uh, in in more mundane ways. Or they feel perhaps they have some sort of weight, as some people do report that feeling. They have a weight of bad karma from a past life, or oh, I've done something terrible in a past life. Sometimes people feel that very strongly. I'm sure they, they, they say that to you. You're nodding, yeah. What do you advise for people who are in such a situation? They feel, you know, there's a, a karmic debt to pay somehow or another. Should they wait for it to, to show up? Are there, are there ways to stave it off or to work with that? What do you advise, and particularly in the area of city, but in general also? So we, we all have bad karma. Everybody who's born on the human on, on this earth has bad karma, apart maybe from some extremely exalted being who just can't come to 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 save us. Yeah. But all the, all all of us, we are here because we have bad karma. We don't because this is a very mixed place, you know. There's there's some very wonderful things on this earth, but also a lot of suffering. And uh, and we experience that suffering more or less in our personal lives because we we are we have these kind of um, uh, bad karma. You know, if we didn't have that bad karma, we would be all born in some sort of paradise where it would be much nicer. <laughs> we are not. So the, uh, karma is not a punishment. You know, karma is just the natural consequences of what we've done. You know, it's just you can see karma in everyday life. You know. You steal at your job, you lose your job. You're nasty to your friend, you lose that friend. You're kind to your friend, you gain more friends. You know, you do good deeds, you know, your life gets better. Every problem that we experience in our life, anything that isn't so good is just the consequences of our own actions or in, in the karma kind of language, our bad karma. And in, in that respect, we mustn't forget that every single day we make new karma. Every moment we make good, we make new karma. Right now we're making some karma. And because whatever we're doing right now, we'll have consequences. And, uh, and then you, you, you might wonder, yeah, but I've always lived a good life. I've always done a good thing. And why do I get this terrible disease now? <laughs> or this terrible thing has happened to me now. So this is just um, something I have this uh, image. This is like a football that you kicked, you know, like three lifetimes ago. And you kick that really hard and it just still rolls, you know, still rolling into this life. And if you um, if you are very skillful, you can avoid that, you know. Maybe you eat an extra healthy diet and then you you avoid that disease somebody else can eat all that junk food doesn't get ill you know because they don't have the disposition the, the kind of karma but if we eat you know just you know fairly healthy and we still get sick so that's something you know that comes from previous lives and uh, in in the same way um you know we, we create the whole time good karma by making really strong wishes you know, that we say, I want to be like this, uh, you know, this kind of bodhisattva or, 
you know, doing good for everybody for, for forever. And you bind yourself by these vows. So you must follow them. And um, so in that way, we create the whole time good karma. And this good karma that we created today and yesterday and last week, there might just be enough to avoid that ball of bad karma that we kicked into this life from last life. We can just skip it, you know. So we should try to do our best to always do uh, good things to, um, you know, to create good karma for the future, but also to avoid any bad karma that's just on its way into our life. Well, this has been so fascinating. Tara, thank you very much for this. Is there anything left to say? Anything more we should say before we bring this to an end? Well, have a good spiritual practice every day. Have contact with your higher consciousness and have a lot of devotion for, to that higher consciousness and um, pray to your higher consciousness, meditate, try to, good, to do good things and everything will come uh, good in your life. And don't be too fixated on the cities. You know, this is, this is not really important. You know, if, um, if you have a passionate interest of some kind and uh, you know, you, you will develop them by themselves as time goes by. And uh, you know, so all is good. Tara Springett, thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.